Hello, and welcome to the Digital Health Leaders Podcast, where we bring the best of the best in digital health leadership to you. I'm Russ Branzell, President and CEO of the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives, or CHIME, and the host of this podcast. These are truly unprecedented times for our industry and our healthcare leaders. These leaders are doing everything they can to support our frontline caregivers and guide their organizations through some of the most tumultuous times in modern history. Today, we have one of those special leaders with us. Well, it's our pleasure today to have not only an accomplished CIO, but kind of in one of their first CIO positions, but also a great Chime member, one of the products of our, our development program over the years. And uh, she's one of our boot camp graduates, but she's, uh, she's a great friend, knew her for many years here in the Atlanta area. But uh, if it wasn't warm enough in Atlanta, she's decided to move south to where it's even warmer down in the Miami area. It's absolute pleasure to have Nancy Stockslogger as the Chief Information Officer at the Healthcare District of Palm Beach County, Florida. Um, you know, I'm sure every one of you now, as soon as I said that, are immediately jealous. But uh, welcome to the program, Nancy. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for having me. Well. Uh, you're relatively new in your position. You've only been down there for a short period of time. How long have you been in this uh, new CIO position? Um, I was really since the first of the year. So the um, I would say, yeah. So uh, five months of uh, very interesting times. Well, you talk about jumping right into the fire. Now, this is, this is your first um, full CIO position. Is that correct? That is correct. So, wow. I, <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second, because I remember my first CIO position and I was scared out of my mind. Um, and I can't even imagine doing it. And then the first thing I have to do is fight a gigantic COVID pandemic. So tell us how, how you're doing, how the team's doing, kind of what your experience has been. Well, I, I, since you talked about my location, I'm first going to say, you know, I get to look out my window and see the ocean and palm trees every day. <laughs> so it doesn't get much better than that. But um, I, I can honestly say I love what I'm doing. But um, you, you know, talk about drinking from the fire hose. I've been drinking directly from the fire hydrant pretty much full bore since I started. Um, you, the, with any new role, you're, you're gonna have challenges and opportunities and, and this role came with quite a few. Um, so as this is my first job as a CIO, there's all the normal challenges, but initially I walk right in and we're, we're negotiating a contract for a full enterprise EHR replacement and a community connect model with a neighboring health system. Um, we're, you know, I'm trying to stand up IT governance and integration within the org organization because those were areas of significant need. Um, so you're st just starting to wrap your head around the culture of the organization and beginning to implement change. And then we, as the rest of the world, of course, faced with preparing and responding to the pandemic. Wow, wow. I, I, again, uh, if I hadn't had a couple of my own, you remember from boot camp some of the uh, case studies that we wrote. If I didn't have a few of them, maybe nowhere near the degree you would, uh, experiences myself, I'd say that's just beyond even any thought process if that's your first one. So you remember in boot camp, we had this 30, 60, 90 day case study that we got to do, which yes. was to plan out that I'm sure you had a perfect plan for your 30, 60, 90 days that probably right around the 45 day mark, 60 day mark got completely ruined. How did you balance? I got to get 
you know, trying to get into the organization with, okay, now I got to go into like COVID firefighting mode. Well, it, number one, it, it's something you prepare for your entire career. And, and yes, I had my perfect plan and uh, was working on implementing. I have an incredible team of folks here and I'm just privileged every day to get to work with them. Um, but I, I will kind of say the going into COVID mode was if you've ever done a large implementation and you have you're in the command center it's like it, you've been in command center mode for basically three months <laughs> um, and it's totally exhausting but the, the the biggest thing is I'm here to support my organization so it doesn't matter what the plans were I've got to be prepared to meet the needs of where we need to be how we're going to address um, our response to the uh, the pandemic so um, you just you just go into that command center mode and you do whatever it takes and um you know for us i think that we have a really progressive um, leadership team um and we were pretty early in the response we were one of the first organizations in in this area to go fully remote as far as anything that wasn't um, patient care or supporting direct patient care you know, anybody that could go remote, we went remote. Um, and just spinning that up in the period of a week, we sent everybody home within a one week period of time. Um, I, I felt like I was Frankenstein lapping, Frankensteining laptops um, to put them in the hands of our providers or whoever else needed them so that they could do their job remotely. But, you know, you do what you gotta do to support the organization. So did you put the other stuff obviously on hold or was it not so obvious? Did you put your EHR plans on hold for a while, all your other work that was on your kind of your 30, 60, 90, one year plan? Did you put all that on hold or did you use that as an opportunity to kind of blend the two together or was just the COVID thing too much you had to focus on that? Well, organizationally, we made the decision to really put everything on hold for a period of time because we needed to make sure that we could support the response. Um, so for the first couple weeks, everything stopped, other than just supporting the organization and the COVID response and keeping the lights on. Um, as we kind of moved out and moved into a new norm, um, we're able to start planning for the kickoff and rollout of uh, the new EHR. We actually, the final execution of the contract was completed at the end of March. So you know, we kept moving, but at a much slower pace. And when you started, but you know, we were sitting there planning our, our big fabulous kickoff that we're gonna have for this event and talking about having, you know, 200 people in, in, a, in a room and doing all these fun things. And then, you know, you, when you start talking about it again, it's like, how do we accomplish that same energy and meaning when everybody's, you know, doing a Zoom or a WebEx? So it just changes everything that you do. And I said, there's, you know, when we first started getting back together, they were talking again about putting everybody in a room. And I'm like, folks, the world has changed. We have to be creative. We have to be innovative. Um, and we're going to do this and we're going to be successful at it, but we have to innovate. So you're in a very unique location. Not only is probably everybody that's listening already jealous because of where you're at. Um, they're probably still in our our friends in the way north are probably still getting snow in a few, at least they did last week. Um, 
But in Southern Florida, there are some unique healthcare challenges. I mean, one, it's a very difficult payer market. You get a huge influx of snowbirders from the north and other places during the winter months that were right at the beginning part of this COVID part, still in place. Um, some left, but a lot of them stuck around. Never mind the fact that it, it just is, it, it tends to be a challenging market to begin with. So how did that kind of shape all the work you had to do? Well, as you know, South Florida has definitely been a hot spot for COVID-19 and the seasonal nature of the area definitely influenced the number of cases because many of our, shall we say, part-time residents uh, came from very heavily impacted areas down here just as the pandemic was really taking hold in the United States. Um, you know, of course, one of the hottest topics of conversation regarding the pandemic response has been testing. And whereas early in the overall response, South Florida was really, they were called out for their lack of testing. Um, and I believe our capital, our per capita testing now is probably among the highest in the nation. Um, the healthcare district has been a huge part of that effort. Um, we're a very unique entity and we truly serve as a safety net healthcare system for Palm Beach County. Um, we were contacted early on to be partners with the state and county for drive-through testing. And whereas most of the drive-through sites were paper-based, um, uh, the National Guard handling all the paper, we were able to stand up a site with a fully remote call center and we had full integration with our current EMR and third-party lab integration in about a three-day window and over a weekend. Um, we now have uh, six testing sites across the county as well as a second mobile coach that we will be rolling out after Memorial Day to really help meet the needs of some of the more underserved areas. Um, but to date, we have completed over 22,000 tests. And to quote our CEO, Darcy Davis, that's a lot of noses. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to change the subject a little bit here. Not that obviously COVID's still not in the forefront of our minds here, but uh, you know that even this week, I've, I've talked to probably uh, a dozen of our CHIME members, CIOs, CMIOs, and others, who, who are really kind of bringing to light that this, not only the financial pressure we just mentioned and, and other pressures are starting to heat back up some of the merger and acquisition talks. And uh, I know you've got some experience in that, uh, what it means. Do, do you think at this time, this, just the financial pressures alone, we're just gonna see the next major round of whether it be mergers and acquisitions or what you're doing, which is partnering with others to make sure you can do things from a cost efficient manner. I absolutely think that we're going to see another round just because so many healthcare organizations are financially been decimated. Um, we are sound financially. Um, every organization has taken a hit as, as we have, but um, you know, because we have a little bit of a different model, um, we, are, we are doing okay, but I think that we are going to definitely see the next round of, of uh, mergers and acquisitions hitting the healthcare market because some of these organizations just aren't going to be able to survive without it. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I, and the one thing is, as that happens, and sometimes they take quite a long time, as you know, the one I was involved with was a four-year process. Um, be as prepared as you can, but have patience and uh, flexibility because um, the world can change on a dime, as we've seen just with the whole pandemic. Everything can, everything can change in a moment. 
Yeah, that that's a great example because I got to sit and watch firsthand and uh, every once in a while I would run into you, usually at a charity golf event somewhere, but uh, uh, never could get on your team because your team always seems to win. Um, but uh, there does seem to be, um, you know, some learnings from this that, you know, you mentioned being patient. What you, you, you were talking about that for me with me almost for four years, like it was going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow, but it always seems to take longer and longer and longer. What are some of the leadership things that you kind of learned through that process? Um, have a lot of patience, um, learn how to be a partner. And I would, it's something that, you know, I, I will talk about probably whenever I have the opportunity is try to be an enabler. Um, just remember what business you're in. Uh, we're, we're, we're support and we enable the organization to function, um, but be an, be an enabler. You know, what I was always impressed with is you and any of your team I got to inter interact with is, I was just impressed that you all stuck around. Um, it, you would think there'd be this natural inclination of, you know, there's, there's probably going to be some collateral damage out of this, and everybody's going to make it, so you start proactively looking. But you and really your all-star team stuck around through to the very end of this. So, I mean, part of that may be just the culture of who you all are and wanting to work in healthcare and that you felt the obligation, but uh, that was always something that really impressed me. Well, thank you. Um... And yes, um, we, we did stick together as a team and we had a highly effective team and I think that it was part of the nature of who we were. Um, it provided some wonderful experience that has helped guide me in my new journey here um, as a CIO. Um, I kind of, I, having a wonderful person and mentor and CIO and Patty Lavely while I was with the previous health system, um, I was always a CIO in waiting, but she was such a wonderful mentor and really helped develop me and the entire team so that we were um, highly cohesive and functioning. And, um, you know, it was sad that that team is uh, now kind of dispersed, but uh, it was just an incredible group of people to work with. Well, I still, uh, my uh, primary care physician here in Georgia is out in that area. So uh, I will let you know that the work you did was not in vain. They are still performing very well out there. Uh, and then this time responded very well to the, to the pandemic. So you should feel very good about all the work you did out there. Thank you. And, and, and talking about, you know, preparing and transitioning and, and those type of things that, you know, you have a clinical background and, um, and, and I've met with a lot of different CIOs from every conceivable background, including not even working in IT or in healthcare in the past. And somehow they make it up to that ranks. But for you in particular, you had a clinical background and, uh, and we're proceeding actually at a very fast pace up that ranks, but you moved over to IT. First of all, what made you want to move over to IT um, first? And also how did your clinical background really prepare you for that? Um. I'm going to make a bad joke. I'm, I'm going to say that I learned years ago how to wear a mask all day long. And that's a, a really great skill set right now. Um, no, um, seriously, back in the mid 90s, I was in an organization and we were beginning to implement technology. And I was in one of the senior nursing leadership roles in that organization and was kind of tasked with 
um, helping that initiative. And I really, I, I got bit by the bug, you know, the technology bug. And um, so really 25 years ago this year, um, I, I trans, you know, transformed my career and moved over into technology. But at this point, anybody that knows me, I, I call myself a translator. I translate clinical practice to technology and technology to clinical practice. But honestly, having a clinical background built the foundation for everything I've done in the past 25 years. Um, and it was my vision 25 years ago to enable technology to impact and transform clinical practice. And I feel we're finally able to accomplish that feat. Um, it, it's been a painful road, but I knew 25 years ago, I keep saying that, um, that we were able to really transform um, healthcare and we finally have the technology to do it. But um, I, and I, I would say that having the clinical orientation has allowed me to understand both the practice and business of healthcare. And as we look to shape the right solutions, um, it just really guides making the right decisions to meet those needs. Today's episode of the Digital Health Leaders Podcast was brought to you by our segment supporter, LK, your healthcare data plumbers. Learn more about LK at ellkay.com. So how would somebody, what would your advice be for, because a lot of our CIOs and a lot of our uh, IT leadership that are in organizations don't come from necessarily from a clinical background. So how would somebody without a clinical background, how do they bridge that gap that you're able to do just naturally because of your experience? How would somebody without that actually bridge that gap? Um, you really need to partner again with the leadership of your organization, dive right in. I think if you you know, you're talking about my clinical background. Well, what I didn't have, of course, was the technical background. So for me, what did I have to do? It's the same type of thing. You know, you're immersing yourself in all aspects of that part of the world, but you have to rely on the great resources available to you to help you really gain that knowledge. It, it's, um, I really do think clinical is more of a mindset. Um, the, the critical thinking that is, you know, ingrained in you as part of your education process. Um, it's not to say that, that folks not coming from that uh, a clinical or healthcare background don't have it. It's just, it's a different set of thought processes, processes, sorry, um, to really kind of um, put into practice. So you can gain the knowledge, you can, uh, you can, observe the workflows and understand how healthcare works. I still think that there's, without having that, um, that foundation for me, I, I wouldn't be as effective um, ever if I didn't have that clinical background. So even when you were going through boot camp and some of the other things we've been talking about, the need to get CIOs and, and other IT leaders to that kind of that 2.0 point where they can really lead and help transform, which sounds like you're doing, but now we're even talking about the concept that we need to be 3.0 leaders, which, which is really helping people bridge to this whole new economic revolution, this next level beyond information age, where things are coming at like AI and machine learning and robotics and you know patient delivery by drone, all these things that we saw as TV shows and movies as kids 
uh, and young adults, now all of a sudden is the way healthcare will be delivered. How are you looking at that as things are going to be coming pretty fast as your need to help, in some cases, radically change the way healthcare is going to be delivered? Um, you know, I think it's one of those things, I, and I mentioned a few minutes ago about being an enabler, but you know, last year I heard in a presentation about the CIO shouldn't stand for chief information officer any longer. It should be chief innovation officer. And I, I really think the CIO role has to present opportunities for change and innovation rather than just responding to the need. Um, if we're really going to be disruptors in healthcare business, we have to become that disruptor in healthcare business to positively impact care and the bottom line. Um, and I think that we have to present solutions before problems. Um, and I think that that's the foundational thought that's going to drive the industry change. I don't know if that, that makes sense, but that's kind of the way um, I think about it is you just really have to be that person that is solving the problem before it exists. And thankfully the technologies are there that we can present those to our operational leaders and guide them through um, this rapidly changing world we're in. So, so kind of a follow-up to that then is we had a lot of people frustrated us for years, maybe even as much as a decade as we put in digital radiography and digital cardiology and EMRs and made everybody go wireless and carts. And there were a lot of frustrated people for many, many years. Yes. Now all of a sudden they're some of our biggest fans because Think about the things we could do and enabled during this period of time, which none of that could have happened if we had not spent the last 10 years of, as they might have put it, 10 years of pain. How do we use that as a catalyst now to jump forward with all these things that in some cases may test the way a person does a job? And then maybe in rare instances, maybe even eliminate jobs, just like some technology has done. How do we become those change agents? I truly believe that um, the technology is changing the world rapidly. Um, I look at what the world had to do in going to a remote you know, work environment um, in a matter of weeks for most organizations. And again, we're providing the platform for that to occur. Um, but I think that we have to make sure that we stay on the front line. I, I, I'm going to change gears a little bit and talk about the world, you know, tele, telehealth, it was always a great concept, but we really couldn't fully implement because we had barriers in reimbursement and regulations. Um, and with the pandemic, all of those barriers went away and we were able to put those platforms in place. We, we already had um, telehealth um, in our organization for a certain um, group of folks, but to be able to rapidly deploy that to change from the traditional brick and mortar. And then we, we, you talked about, well, telehealth was the provider sitting in his office, maybe talking to the patient. And now we're really at a place where we have providers that are at their homes and they're talking to their patients at their homes. Um, so it's uh, changed the landscape very quickly. And again, we have to be the support there. We have to keep scanning the environment to identify where those opportunities exist. And again, as I said, really present a solution before a problem 
um, is actually identified. So, so m during this period of time, obviously, Southern Florida admittedly has a much higher population of, of, uh, of folks in their older ages at this point. And is there any secrets that you all have, any great ideas on ways to engage uh, that older population in this digital health transformation um, that's going on? Because everyone says it's not possible, but then again, I see more folks on smartphones in South Florida when I'm down there than probably I do in other places. So any great ideas on how to engage them? You know, it's one of those things we've actually, we had been doing some um, studies prior to all of this hitting, some of the things I learned in the first few weeks that I was here. And there is a lot more um, utilization of cell phones and smartphones than most people understand. I think that um, the adoption changed as soon as the pandemic really kind of took hold and folks had no other choice. So we're able to really implement those technologies more effectively now than we were historically because the resistance is lower. You know, as far as people understand, you've got these older folks, they don't want to go out. They understand that it's a health risk. So they are looking to technology to help meet their needs. And, you know, telehealth, the face-to-face -face visit is one thing, but there's telephonic care as well. And, you know, they're just checking in on folks there provides an opportunity that much more comfortable to our elderly population. Um, and it really transitions them a little bit easier when it comes to a true telehealth video um, platform. So I, I think that um, there's been a lot of changes that have occurred because of the COVID-19 response, but folks really adapting to technology, even our elderly, um, it's really been enhanced by um, the need to do so. So any, you come a long way in, in a fairly short time that I've known you at least, from kind of supporting a health system and some IT roles to you're leading your own, you're, it's your show. Uh, there's nobody left or right of you at this point in, in your role. You're, you're the CIO at the top of the stack now. So any, any great learnings that have occurred during this, this period of, uh, let's just say harsh learning environment? Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I, we talk about being a partner. Um, be an enabler for your organization. Uh, I came into an organization that, you know, I, I will say IT was the, the, a dirty word type thing where um, there really wasn't clear partnership and integration throughout the organization. And to really kind of put yourself out there to say, we can do this. Um, that's been one of the, the biggest lessons for me and for our organization is, again, be an enabler. Um, you have to really be a partner in change, be proactive. If you are able to accomplish that as a leader, your organization can respond to any challenge or, or pandemic um, very seamlessly. It's just really having the courage and really becoming partners with the operational leaders to know what they can do. Because a lot of times they don't know what they can do until you help them.
Well, Nancy, it is absolutely a pleasure to have spent time with you today and congratulations on your new position. And uh, it's great to see a boot camp grad doing so well in and in not just a new position. That alone should be too tough for most people that are out there. But you've done it during one of the most difficult times. So first of all, thank you for being on the program, but also thank you for everything you're doing for the for the families and the community in South Florida. Well, thank you, Russ. Thanks for having me. And um, I will just give a shameless plug for the boot camp program, and this is unsolicited. Um, for anyone that have, has ever questioned about whether or not it's a great program, I can tell you um, it certainly has helped prepare me for what I'm doing today. Well, we greatly appreciate the advocacy for that, to say the least. Well, I look forward to hopefully catching up with you at some point on a golf course, maybe at our Chimefall Forum in San Antonio, which as of this time, we're still planning on having in person in November. So I hopefully we'll be able to catch up there. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for being part of the program today. As always, we thank you for being uh, great listeners for this. As always, you can also find our program, this program in particular, uh, on our website at chimecentral.org forward slash media or Spotify uh, to listen to any of our podcasts. Uh, at this point, with this program airing right around Memorial Day, I'd just like to make a reminder of why that holiday is what it is. Yes, we have veterans that are still alive today, but Memorial Day truly does recognize the men and women who gave the ultimate sacrifice. So please take care, be safe, stay home if you can, and God bless. Today's segment of the Digital Health Leaders podcast was brought to you by our supporter, LK.